Good morning to those of us who are joining online as well. So good to have you all. Now, it's good to be back. What do I mean by that? Um, I've actually been away for three weeks uh, for, for kinetic summer camp, and then I was away for one weekend, and last weekend I was preaching in city campus. So good to be back. Miss you guys. Okay. Okay, I guess it's not mutual. Uh, you know what it feels like? You know, Eugene Peterson wrote a great book, and I feel like that book right now. What is the name of that book? The Unnecessary Pasta. That's what I feel like. Well, it's so good to be with us this morning. Um, we're going to unpack the Word of God, getting straight back into the Knowing God series. And today we're going to talk about this amazing topic of God's omnipresence, His omnipresence. What is omnipresence? It is a compound word made up of two smaller words. One word is omni, which in Latin means all, all, and then the other word is presence, which is to be there. So omnipresence together means all present, presence. It's kind of like the scientific word where you learn in school called omnivore. Vore is like eating, devour. So when you say omnivore, you're talking about somebody who eats everything, right? Don't look at your neighbor. <laughs> Some of us, are you chicken, oh, you know, durian, oh, the seeds, the flesh, and the husk, and all. Omnivores, that's what it means, to devour everything. Last Sunday, we heard Pastor Singyap teach us about omnipotence, the all-powerfulness of God. And today, we're going to dive straight into God's omnipresence, His all-present presence. Would you bow your heads as we get into a time of prayer? Spirit of God, would you be here to teach us yourself what God's omnipresence means? And not just to know it in our minds, but to experience your presence this morning, right here. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Now, if you try to Google or to search on your Bible app the word omnipresence, you actually can't find it. It's not a Bible word. But even though it can't be found in, the, found in the Bible, the Bible talks about God's omnipresence in several passages. And if you're taking notes today, I'm going to quickly refer to some of them before we dive straight into our main passage. So let's do this. Jeremiah chapter 23, it, God says this, Am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord, and not also a God far away? He's near and He's far away. Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord? Do I not fill the heaven and the earth? He does, declares the Lord. And in Proverbs chapter 15, the Bible says this, The eyes of the Lord are everywhere. He's everywhere. He's keeping watch over the wicked and the good. And in the New Testament, in Acts 17 verse 27, Paul says this, God did this so that they would seek Him and perhaps reach out for Him and find Him though He is not far from any one of us. He's near you, wherever you are. But the Bible passage that paints most clearly the picture of God's omnipresence is the one that we're going to look at today. So turn with me to Psalm 139, 139 verse 7 to 12. And I'll read it out for us right now. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. 
If I rise on the wings of dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. So says King David, who wrote this psalm, this amazing psalm about God's presence. So what we're going to do for the rest of today's message is to unpack two things. Number one, the principles of God's omnipresence. Everyone say principles. Very good. And then we're going to unpack and get at the personal part of God's omnipresence. Everyone say personal. So we're going to ask, what does that mean in the first part? And when we get to the personal part, we're going to ask, what does it mean for me? So let's start. First up, ooh, thank you very much, tech team. Would you give a big hand to our tech and our media and our production team? They make all these things possible. Welcome back to the future. So omnipresence, let's begin with this. Omnipresence. What does it mean? It means, number one, that God is everywhere. If you're writing notes, that's the first point today, everywhere. What do I mean by this? Now, God is literally in every single space. When King David wrote in verse 7, and he said, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? His ask, the answer to his rhetorical question is a resounding and emphatic nowhere. Because when it comes to God's presence, we can go, but we cannot leave. We can run, but we cannot hide. Now, it's like this. Many years ago, if you buy a copy of a map, or an atlas, or if you get a globe. Many years ago, what they used to do is to color the countries of the British Empire pink color. Actually, they wanted it red because it's more regal, it's strong, it's more beautiful, it looks more grand. They wanted all the countries of the British Empire red. But then very soon after, when they started doing that, they realized it's so heavy, it's so bright that you can't actually read the names of the countries. So imagine if somebody wanted to come down south to Australia, they'll be trying to read Austria. Welcome to Western Austria, everyone. That is what it will be like. So they changed it all to pink. And pink it was all over the map. In fact, it was so vast, the British Empire, that they created a proverb to explain how wide it is. And the proverb goes this way. The sun never sets on the British Empire. Because no matter what time of the day it is, when it is, the sun will always be shining on some country somewhere that belongs to Britain. Now, did you know it's the same with God? For God, the whole universe is colored pink because there is nowhere where God isn't there. Amen. God isn't just anywhere. He's not like in the toilet or he's in your bedroom or he's in the office. God is everywhere all at the same time. And the reason why God can be everywhere all at the same time, David says, is because He is spirit. 
What does it mean that God is spirit? It means He doesn't have a body like you and me. He's everywhere. He can be everywhere because He doesn't have a body that limits His presence. So, God is not limited to a place. God is not limited to a space. God is not limited to an auditorium like this one. God is not even limited to a stadium. God is not limited to a book. God is not limited to a preacher. God is not limited to a worship band. God is not limited to a church. God is not limited to a building. God can be with you when you're in the office. God can be with you when you're shopping in the malls. God can be with you when you're at home. God is with you when you're in your car. He is not limited. He can be everywhere. Can you say amen to that? Amen. And by the way, when I ask you to say amen, I'm not asking you if you like the point. I'm not asking you if you like what I'm saying. Amen, just, just a quick side note here so we can get on the same boat. Amen doesn't mean well said, preacher, well said, come I clap for you. It doesn't mean good point, good point, yeah, well said. What it means is so be it. In other words, let it be to me in my life according to the word of God. What you're saying in other words is give me some of that, Lord. So when you say amen, you're not saying it for the preacher. You're saying it for yourself because you're telling God, God, can I have some of those blessings? Amen. So whenever you say amen, you're opening the door of God's blessings into your life. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. Very good. And same online. If you are in with us, say amen on the chat every time God speaks to you. Now, even though God is everywhere, God is not everything. What do I mean by this? Now, if this was all there is in the world, God is not everything that you see in the universe. I'll tell you a story. A few years ago, or maybe I should draw this for clarity's sake. There you go. God is not everything. A few years ago, when I was still living in America, there was this one time where Vanessa, my wife and I, we went to a small town called Sovang. And it's a beautiful European-like town. And we were hanging out there, and there's a very small town, so not many people. So we went to one of the restaurants that we had a really nice dinner. And because there were so little people, that, that the restaurant was, was virtually empty. So we had a lot of personal time to get to know the waiter. So he would come and serve us, and then we would talk to him a little bit. He would come and serve us again, and we would talk to him a little bit. So somewhere in the conversation, I thought about telling him about Jesus. So I, I, I remember when he came, I asked him, hey, hey, do you know Jesus? And he said, yeah, I know Jesus. I was like, yes, you're a believer. Yes, I believe in Jesus. I said, well, that's great, because I'm a Christian, and I believe in Jesus too. And then he said, yeah. I believe in Jesus and I believe in the energy around us. I believe in the universe. I believe that there is a greater power all across this universe. In fact, every night I, I look up to the stars and I talk to the universe and on some times, some nights, the universe talks back to me. And I'm thinking to myself, God, I'm thankful that I don't just talk to the universe. I get to talk to the creator of the universe. As a Christian, we believe in a God who created the universe. See, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, God is not an invisible energy. He's not a force. He's not a sacred tree. 
He's not a sacred animal. He's not a sacred place on earth. He's not a statue that we have at home. He's not a crystal that you hold on to for good vibes. He's none of those things. God is God. Because if God were any one of these things, He will not be an omnipresent God. You hear what I'm saying? He cannot be all placed at the same time for you and for everyone else. He will cease being an all-present God if it were the case. But praise be to God that that is not our God. Our God is not just all-sovereign. He's not just all-glorious. He's not just all-powerful. He's not just all-present. He has a name, and His name is Yahweh. That's the name that David refers to in this passage. When you read verse 7 to 12... Do you see the Lord? David calls him the Lord, and it's big L, big O, big R, big D. Every time you read that in English, it means the Hebrew translation, the original Hebrew language is the name of God, Yahweh. It's so sacred and so holy to the Hebrew people that they don't even dare to name him. So they call him the Lord for short. He has a particular name. And 2,000 years ago, that particular God came down to earth as a particular person, and today we call him Jesus Christ. So God is not just everything or everywhere. He is a person, and he's a very personal God. Amen. That's why King David can describe him in these words. Your spirit, God. Your presence, God. Your right hand, God. Where can I go from you? He's a very personal God. And let's get to the second part of today's message, the personal part. King David describes God's omnipresence not in theoretical terms. God, I know that you are everywhere. God, I know that you're here and there. God, I know that you're everywhere and you're not just everything. He didn't say it that way. He expressed it from his personal experience. Where can I go from your spirit, God? Where can I flee from your presence? David knows God's presence because he lives in God's presence. So there are three things I want to talk about. In the same way you and I can experience, when we understand God's presence, we can experience God's amazing presence. And there are three things I want to talk about today as we talk about God's presence. You with me still? Yes? Okay, good. So God is present. And I put dot, dot, dot. When you learn in high school math, you learn about the three-dimensional space, don't you? That's the y-axis, the x-axis, and the z-axis. God's omnipresence is like 3D. It's like real 3D space. And I want to break that down into three points for us to remember as we take back with us what it means for God's presence. Number one, God is present in my highs and lows. And this is found in verse 8. So when King David said, if I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. What does he mean by that? The Hebrew word for heavens is the word shamayim which literally means the stars, the sky, the uppermost canopy, the highest point known to human being, the highest point of the universe. 
It refers to the highest points in our lives. In the highest points of your life, God is there. He's there to rejoice with you. He's there to celebrate with you. Tomorrow, I know, is a very special day for many of us because it's Valentine's Day. On Valentine's Day, we romance our partners. Now, if your partner is next to you, why do you turn to them right now and say, I romance you <laughs> tomorrow? And in case they come back to you and say, just tomorrow, quickly say, no, every day too, every day too, and every day. I just saved a couple of marriages right there. <laughs> On Valentine's Day dinner, imagine with me now, you're, you're in a nice fancy restaurant and you ordered the most amazing meal of your life. You know, for me, it's the A5 grade Wagyu steak. So I'm, it's, it's right in front of me, it's sizzling hot, it's served to me on a hot plate. It's cooked to a perfect medium rare, it's red bloody in the middle, it's got blank lines right across it. I'm holding on to my fork and my knife, and that is a high point in my life. And it might be for you too. In that moment, as I'm enjoying what God has given to me, God is there. You know, for some of us, maybe it's not the A5 Wagyu stick. Maybe you romance your partner through nasi lemak plus chili. I don't know what it is. But when you are enjoying what God has given to you, that's a high point in your life. God is there. Now, some of us got to dismantle this idea of who God is. Sometimes we think that God is like a dad looking over your shoulder with a ruler in hand waiting to slap your wrist for everything that you do wrong. That is not who God is. God is with you to celebrate with you in your high point. When you were born, God was there celebrating you. When you won your tournament, God was there to support you. When you graduated, God was there to applaud you. When you got married, God was there to witness and solemnize you. When you bought your house, God was there to welcome you. When you had your baby, God was there to congratulate you. When you were there to retire, God is there to say, well done. God is in there in every high point of your life. But not just that, the Bible goes on to say that God is not just in the highest points of our life. He's also a God of the lowest points in your life. King David said, when I make my bed, if I make my beds in the depths, you are there. The word the depths in the Hebrew is the word sheol. And the word sheol refers to the grave or the grave beyond the grave. It's the afterlife. Is a place basically where there is, is a realm of the dead. There is no hope, no life, no vitality. It's a metaphorical hell. Why does the Bible say that? Why did King David say that? You know, I love it that our Bible, I love it that our Bible is not a fairy tale book. It's not about prince and princesses. It's not about happily ever after. It's not about Disney movies. You know, we don't talk about brew, no, 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 no. It's not a fairy tale book, no, no, no. It is a realistic book. God knows in your life and my life, there are moments where we feel like we're in the Shamayim, and there are moments in our life when we feel like we're in Sheol. And you know, some of us know, you don't need to be in hell to feel like you're in hell sometimes. I know some of us, maybe at this point of time, you feel like you're going through a very low point in your life. Some of us might feel that you're far away from God. And you wonder, if, is God there with me in the depths, in the Sheol? But I want to speak prophetically to some of us right now and to remind us, God is reminding us today that even in the lowest point, when you are alone, I am there with you. 
When you, you are not abandoned, I am there with you. You are not forsaken, I am there with you. You are not doing this by yourself, I am there with you. Because the Bible says this, even if I make my bed in the Sheol, you are there with me. Somebody say amen to that. And maybe God is speaking to some of us today. But I want to say one more thing about this. Now the Bible doesn't say, if I make my beds in the depths, you will come to me. You will be there with me. It says you are there with me. Some of us need to change the way we pray today. Because some of us, when we pray and we're going through really hard times, we're on our knees sometimes, you're crying out to God and you say, God, would you please be here with me? God, would you please come near to me? God, would you please enter into my situation? The Bible tells us that He is already there. Declare it, believe it. God, I'm in utter pain right now. God, I'm going through what feels like hell right now. But I believe that you are here with me. That's what the Bible tells us. He is there with you. Somebody say amen to that. And the second thing about God's presence is this. God is present wherever I go. And he says this in verse 9 to 10. King David does. And he says this in the, written in the Bible. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. What does he mean by that? Do you know that in ancient times, long, long time ago, in King David's time, people used to think that when the sun rises at about 5.50 a.m. right now, when the sun rises from the mountain and the first light comes out, maybe on this side is the east, right? Sorry. So when the sun comes out from the east and the first light breaks out, the sun goes up, they used to think that the sun and the sunlight that comes out in the morning is flying on magical wings. Isn't that cute? Flying on thousands of magical wings from the east across the sky. Today we teach our children, light is a waveform. Light travels in straight lines. That's so disenchanting. Tell them, light flies on thousands of magical wings from the east. That's what they used to believe. So when he says, when, if I rise on the wings of the dawn, he's putting himself in the shoes of the sun coming up from the east. And you know why it matters? Because back in those days, people think that the world was flat. They didn't think that the world was round. They didn't know that. So for him, the east end of the world where the sun comes up is the furthest most end of the world. And then he goes on to say this, if I settle on the far side of the sea. Now in order to understand this line, we have to understand the geography of Israel. Anybody knows what is the sea on the west side of Israel? What is the name of the sea? The Mediterranean Sea. That's right, the Mediterranean Sea. So when he's saying, if I settle on the far side, the far west of the sea, when the sun sinks into the ocean, even there, I can't run away from you, God. 
He's saying from the furthest end of the east of the world to the western end of the world. No matter where I am, I can be literally anywhere in the world at any time of any given day. Even there, your hand will guide me. Your powerful right hand will hold me fast. It will comfort me. It will strengthen me. It will enable me. It will walk me through. It will carry me through every where I go. That's what King David means when he says that. John Calvin, one of the great founders of the church, he says this, though one should fly with the speed of light, he's talking about this verse, he could find no recess, no corner, no space where he would be beyond the reach of divine power. Amen. Let me take a moment to just talk about what we're all going through right here and right now, even those who are joining us online, maybe especially you. Brothers and sisters, I, I know we're living in an ever-changing world in this moment. Your life has become so uncertain, so unpredictable. Opening borders on the 5th of Feb, no, we're not. We're going to get vaccinated, but then what's going to happen after? We don't know if we should worship online or if we should come to church. What if, what if, what if? We don't know what tomorrow's gonna be like. We don't know if we should get vaccinated now or wait till next week to get Novavax. We don't know if we should send our kids to school. 14, 15 schools right now with COVID history already. What's gonna happen to our kids? We don't know if we should choose to be at certain places at certain times for the fear of going into an exposure site. We don't know all these things. And then two years ago, it was COVID-19. It hit us pretty bad, the world. And then it was the Delta strain. And then it was Omicron. And just two weeks ago, now it's Omicron variant BA2, which is 1.5 times more transmissible than Omicron. We don't know what's going to happen. But I'm, as a friend, and as one of your pastors, I'm here to remind you and I of God's Word today. And God's Word tells us that there is no future that you can walk into where God is not there. Would you give the Lord a big hand if that's the word for you right now? You see, He has been with you, He is with you, and He will always be with you. So have faith. Don't worry. You don't have to live in fear like everything is out of control because God is in control. The Bible says that even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Somebody say amen to that. And I have a special word for some of us in the next generation. God has put this word in my heart, and I want to speak to you in the next generation. You know, for some of you, God has placed a God-sized dream in your life. A God-sized dream. And it might seem scary to pursue some of those dreams. It might seem scary to think about what God is going to do and want with your life. And I'm here to remind you that God is with you. The dream could be to write songs and become a songwriter. It could be, you know, to share the gospel with some people or with someone. It'd be to, be to go into missions. It might be to get into ministry. It might be to pioneer a movement that no one has ever done before. It might be to start something new in your school, in your campuses, in your office. It might be to start a business. And it might seem scary. Yes, it is scary. Because God-sized dreams require God-sized provision. 
but is activated by a mustard-sized faith. You see, what is impossible with you is possible with God. And he has been incubating that dream in your heart and he's growing it and he's molding it and one day he will bring it to birth. And when the time comes, don't be afraid to step into it. Amen. And that's the word for some of us young ones today. Now the third thing about God and his presence is this. God is with me no matter what. And we see this in verse 11 and 12. King David says this. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Now when he says this, the word say, to say, is the Hebrew word amar, which literally means to think to yourself or to talk to yourself. You know, uh, it's like processing your own thoughts. I'm not talking about a voice in your head. I'm talking about you talking to yourself. So what King David is doing here is that he's imagining a situation where he was so wrapped up, so shrouded, so covered up by sin and darkness that he even the, the good things, the ordinary, bright and beautiful things in life no longer looks bright. They look dim and dark. Some of us, maybe you understand what that means in your life. And then in that dark, dim place, David thought to himself, and he said, maybe I finally ended up in the place where God is far, far away. Maybe some of us feel that way right now. You feel like you're in a dim, dark place that God is so far away that you cannot feel Him, you cannot hear Him, you cannot be in His presence, and you feel like there's just this huge separation between you and God. Look at what King David did. He immediately snapped out of it when he realizes that there is a fault in the logic that he has come to. That that is not the God that he knows. And he goes on to say this, but even the darkness will not be dark to you. Because the darkness stops being darkness in the radiant light of God. That's who God is. And then he says this, the night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. Because you see, brothers and sisters, nothing can diminish the intensity of God's presence and his light in your life. When you are a believer of Jesus Christ, for those of us who are Christians, Nothing can take away God's presence from you. I declare it today prophetically in the name of God, in the word of God, that no sin, there is no sickness, that there is no situation, there is no suffering that can tear you apart from God, that can make God disappear from your life. Look at what Romans 8 tells us. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. 
Brothers and sisters, this is the extent of God's love. This is the depth of God's grace. This is the magnitude of God's power. God is there with us no matter what. And I want us to catch this, this last bit. David ends this passage. It's really interesting for me. David ends this passage about God's omnipresence with the radiance of his powerful light. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Why does King David end his thoughts about God's omnipresence with the power of God? You know why? Because God's presence in your life and my life would be meaningless if God didn't have the power to change our lives. But God is not just present in our lives. God is also powerful in our lives. Just as darkness cannot drive out light, but light drives out darkness, so the radiant light of God, the radiant light of God has the power to bring light into our life and to transform our lives. Somebody say amen to that. Today, you and I can have a fresh start in life, can have a changed life. How do we do so? By making a decision to follow Jesus, God's most powerful light and His Son. Listen to what the Bible says about Jesus in John chapter 1. It says, in Him, in Jesus, was life. And the life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Amen. And John 8, chapter 12, uh, John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus says this about Himself. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Amen. I want to close today's message with a story. It's a story about a man that I used to pastor in a previous church. He's now in his 50s, but I knew him from a few years ago. Before he became Christian, this man, he owned a real estate business, and he made a lot of money. For 20 years of his life, he made a lot of money. He had an empire built on real estate. A lot of money, a lot of assets. But then during the financial crisis, he lost everything he had. He lost his business, he lost his money, he lost his assets, he lost everything. And eventually, he even lost his wife when she fell into depression and committed suicide. It was a dark, dark time of his life. He went bankrupt and had lost everything. In his words, he said this, I had lost everything, and my life was meaningless. And then one random day, one of his friends invited him to church, and he heard about Jesus for the first time in his life. Like a setting like this, in a, in a worship service just like this. And at the lowest point of his life, he decided to give his life to Jesus. And over time, gradually, with the support of the church, and the brothers and sisters who love him, he began to find his rhythm back into life. And then it took a 180-degree turn, eventually. 
In his testimony, he wrote this. My life was once in chaos, but I was healed by God. And the wounds in my heart have been mended, making me more grateful and humble for what I have today. And ever since he found Jesus, he found a new purpose in his life. He now has a new business that is doing well. And he just married a beautiful wife a few years ago. He now has a fresh start in life. Not just a fresh start in life, but he's now walking every day in the light of Jesus. Not only has he found in Jesus the strength to walk on at the lowest points of his life, but he's now finding strength enough to help other people. He's now a supervisor of a group of Connect Group leaders. There are about like 100 plus people that he's caring for as a leader. And, and when he volunteers his time, he's now helping a society that helps the homeless people to find dignified housing. And he's helped about 90 families to help find housing. And all this because he's found the light of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, it is the power and the presence of Jesus that can change our lives just as he has changed this brother's life. It is the grace and the love of Jesus that when we receive him into our lives over and over and over again, that enables us to drive the darkness out of our lives and to enter into the glorious light of our God. Amen. Every eyes closed and every head's bowed in this place. Today, I want to give an opportunity for those of us who need to receive God's presence in our lives, to receive Jesus into our lives. I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to that. Maybe God is stirring in your heart. Now, whether you have prayed this prayer before or you've never prayed this prayer to receive Jesus into your life, if God is just stirring in your heart throughout this message, I want to say that's not from you. That's God. His presence in he is here with you and with me. And he's speaking to you. If you feel like your heart is beating a little bit faster, it's because God wants you to respond to him today. Don't miss this opportunity. And if that's you and you want to receive Jesus into your life, whether it's the first time or whether it's just one more time of the many times in your life, and to give your life so that you can receive Jesus into your life, I want you to raise up your hand and I want to be able to pray with you today before you leave. So I'm going to count to three, and as you allow God to give you the strength to receive Him, open your heart, and I want you to just raise up your hand so I know who I'm praying for, and I'm going to pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you. Every eyes closed and every head's bowed. Raise your hand and say, yes, I will want to receive Jesus and the light of God into my life. So I'm going to count to three, and then I want you to raise your hand and keep it there. One, two, three. Would you raise your hand if that's you and you want to receive Jesus into your life? Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. I see that hand. Keep your hand up. I see that hand right there at the back. Sister, I see your hand. Keep your hand up. In a bit, in a bit we're going to pray. I see those two hands at the back. Keep your hand up. Praise the Lord. 
Is there anyone else who wants to receive Jesus, whether it's the first time or whether it's one more time in your life, you know you need God's presence in your life. Would you raise your hand right now? All right. For those of us who have your hand up, would you keep your hand up as I pray? And church, I want you to pray this with all of us, right? But especially for those of us with your hands up, I want you to pray under your breath these words that I'm going to lead you into. Dear Jesus, I invite you to come into my life. We can pray with them, church, okay? I need your presence. I believe that you are the Son of God and you gave yourself on the cross for me. Today I receive you. I receive your presence. I receive your light. Teach me in the days that are to come what that means. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say, Amen. Why don't you give a big hand to our brothers and sisters who made that prayer.